turn to Mark 11 today. And uh, obviously you're working out that we've had our minute silence a little bit earlier. So we can just keep on preaching this morning all the way through. But I'm glad we did that. And um, it's just, uh, man, it must have been shocking times. Like we've, most of us, I'm sure, have never, never lived through times like that. And I, I know my own, uh, the family I come from, my mother's, uh, my, you know, grandfather fought at Gallipoli and uh, one of the first boats on shore there and uh, he told me stuff that I just, you can't fathom it really, but he was wounded, got shrapnel in his head, which they were never able to get out, but it may have been a blessing because when they were evacuated from there, they went to France and uh, I mean, if it wasn't horrific at Gallipoli, it was certainly horrific in northern France. Belgium was absolutely terrible and um, may have been a blessing. He got shipped home, but he had migraines all his life from they couldn't get it out, they couldn't move it. And, uh, and when the second war came, he wanted to join up again. So um, broke his heart, they wouldn't accept him because of his injuries and... Uh, crazy stuff but on my mum's side who a brother of my granddad's an uncle of hers died over there and in France and um, uh, he was Alex Amory from Boya grew wheat and sheep and like all the young fellas and uh, and back in those days at least nowadays the army come and tell you that your son is deceased and uh you get counselling and you get help and all the rest. Back then, uh, Mum said that uh, you just got the paper and uh, you just went through the list in the paper and there was his name. Didn't know exactly where it was or where he's buried or where what happened. You just... The name's in the paper. And... Uh, my great-grandfather didn't live a long time after that. It really must have had an effect on him. And my great-grandmother just had a complete mental breakdown and uh, never recovered, ended up taking her own life. And so it wasn't only the, the uh, young men that, uh, you know, lost their lives. It was, there were so many families uh, affected, you know, forever by the, the whole thing. And it was the war to end all wars, and then 25 years later we had World War II. War never ends war, does it? Like human ways of dealing with problems never fix them. And only God can, and humanity is still to learn that, so it's very sad. But today let's have a look at the Word of God. Uh, In Mark chapter 11, and uh, beginning at verse 12, verses 12 to 14, and then 20, 21. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the next day when they'd come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find, he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. 
Verse 14, in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard it. Verse 20, now in the morning they're going in, the next morning they're coming out, the next morning they're going in to uh, uh, Jerusalem again. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And we know, uh, and I've heard hundreds of sermons on this fig tree, um, got to say. Uh, you know, why it didn't have figs, why it should have had figs, why it shouldn't have had figs, and I don't give a fig, I don't understand anything about trees, and I mean, what is going on here? And But I know it's, uh, uh, when I've heard it preached, it's most always usually connected with verses 22 to 24, which are famous uh, uh, verses that I'm sure if you're a Christian today and you read the Word of God, you know well. And Jesus said, because, you know, Peter said to Jesus, well, wow, look, Jesus, wow, but you said to that tree, let no fruit ever grow on you again, which was the same as putting a curse on it, really. And... Uh, and what you said has happened. Look, it's drying up from the roots like amazed. And they're all, wow. And Jesus just said, have faith in God. And say to this mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, you believe what you say. Then what you say you will have. That's what it goes on to say. Therefore, when you come in prayer, believe that you receive and you will have. It's some great faith verses, which are credible love preaching on faith. But I just want to talk about the fig tree today and show you how much I know about gardening, which is absolutely nothing really. But, um, but uh, uh, you know, in, in my younger days, and, and I mean younger, this is not just this year or anything, I mean when I was a very, very younger man, I used to read that, and I, I don't know, mate, you know, can I just talk to you this morning, which is all I basically do anyway. And because uh, uh, when I was young, I thought, well, why, why did Jesus curse the tree? Like it says it wasn't the season for figs. So the tree seemingly then to me was doing nothing wrong. It was just growing there and had leaves and... It wasn't the season for figs, and then Jesus comes along and curses it. And, and it's not the Jesus I read about in the Bible. Like, was he having a bad morning or a bad day? Then I didn't he sleep well? Or like, you know, I would think of all those things and think, why did he just come along and curse a tree for? Like, what is going on there? The fact that uh, it says it wasn't the season for figs is actually a big clue, and I will come to that in a minute. But it sort of didn't sound like Jesus. It didn't sound fair to me. So I, I went on a discovery tour years ago and, and spent some time studying about these sorts of trees and all that. And so what I discovered was, and certainly in the Middle East and Fig, and I don't know if they're different elsewhere, but I know over there they have two seasons. I think it's spring and autumn where they uh, produce figs, produce fruit. And with them, the flower, I don't know that they flower, I think the flower is somehow in the fruit and they, they, uh, the fig forms and then the leaves form. So uh, well, that's why Jesus saw leaves on the tree uh, 
So assuming that it had leaves, it should have had fruit. So what really is going on here was the tree was barren. It was, there was something wrong with it. It was not producing fruit and it should have had fruit on it. So we got this barren fig tree and, uh, uh, but you know, Jesus wasn't in a bad mood or anything. It was just a reasonable expectation he had that a fig tree with leaves would have figs on it and it didn't. And so, uh, but you know, the reason he cursed the tree is nothing really to do with the tree. Uh, fig trees are one of the types of Israel in scripture and the tree therefore was uh, symbolic of the condition of Israel. It was barren in fruitfulness. Uh, it displayed religious leaves but had no fruit. Uh, this was the Messiah who was promised from the beginning, who had come down a line of people that this nation was formed from to preserve the seed of the Messiah. And finally he comes and they did not believe him. I mean, some did, but majority uh, and certainly the religious leaders totally rejected him. And so it was symbolic of him cursing Israel. It wasn't the tree as such for its barrenness and unfruitfulness, etc., etc. And you can read a lot about what Jesus had to say to that generation in the end of Matthew 23 and the results of all that you can read in Matthew 24. But, um, you know, all the prophets that God sent to teach, to warn, to call to repentance, to... Uh, you know, over and over again and they killed them and chased them off and disbelieved them and it just went on and on and on. So that, that was what Jesus was really doing. It was significant. And after his death and resurrection to the, to the uh, you know, as things started to open up, the word, you know, the Old Testament scriptures started to open up to the then new believers, they would have understood what Jesus was doing, etc., etc., etc. So I say that to say this, what, what, what's the application of that for us today? In 2018, a couple of thousand plus years later, what, what does that mean to us? Has that got anything to do with us? Well, actually, I think it has a whole lot to do with us. Scripture always does. Its first application is always to who it was written to. Because God never wrote letters, never wrote books, never sent prophets to speak to people about an issue that had nothing to do with them. It's always got, you know, and I think that's where the mistake is often made in Revelation, where it was written to seven churches to whom the events coming had everything to do with, but... It wasn't for thousands of years later. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, but there is always an application to us. Matthew's Gospel is written to the Jews, which is why kingdom and, and you know, uh, to, to tell them that this Jesus, this Messiah you crucified was your king. And, you know, it goes through a lot of uh, kingdoms mentioned, a whole lot, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not for us. Well, it wasn't written to us, but the application is if we believe in him, if we've, we've accepted him as Lord and Saviour, then he's our king too. 
And so then a lot of what the king taught applies very much to us. So of course scripture applies to us. It's, it's how it's done is the thing. And so um, if I had another look at verse 13, seeing from afar the fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would not find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And there is a clue that it wasn't to do with the tree because when it says there it's not the season for figs, it doesn't mean that it is not saying that it wasn't spring or autumn. It's not the word. The word there for seasons is kairos, kairos in Greek. And it's not a normal chronological time season. It's something different altogether. The, the word uh, the, in the original Greek in which the New Testament was written, there were two words for time. Chronos, which you will understand we get the word chronological from, uh, just time, 24-7, seven, seven days a week, months, years, time just does its thing and that's chronos, chronos time. Kairos was different. Uh, it meant an opportune time, an opportunity, the right time, a short time, a set time. A time something opens, specifically a convenient season. And uh, so it's not talking about the wrong season for fruit. And I want to show you that we should always be producing fruits in season, out of season, as I go through this this morning. But So that's what it's about. And uh, so I, I just went on a little... Um, little tour of scripture just recently putting this together like this morning and uh, and just looked at some of the Bible verses that use that word and they don't always say time they might say season or days or uh, convenient or something like that but if you look in the original the word kairos is there and so uh, Acts 3.19, uh, repent therefore and be converted, did not Peter say, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So what he was writing there was that Kairos, Kairos times might come, opportunities, openings for refreshing, openings for blessing might come from the presence of the Lord, like like uh, repent and get right with God, do, you know, become Christians, become believers, because if you do that, you will experience those times that just God opens up uniquely in our lives of blessing and refreshing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're not saved, you're not going to get them. You're not going to know those God times. And so that's what... Uh, 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 Peter was saying there, John chapter 5, uh, the pool of Bethesda, we all know that, the um, sick people used to gather there around the pool and uh, and uh, I might as well read it, I did write it down here somewhere, uh, 
Verse 3, in these porches lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralysed, waiting for the moving of the water for an angel. Verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water, and whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease, says he had, they had, uh, was, was made well. And when it says there, down at a certain time, it was a chaos time. It was an opening, it was an opportune moment that uh, might not necessarily have been a long time, but it was a definite opening, a definite uh, set time that the, the water was, um, was stirred. And, uh, uh, you know, like the, I, I just know there are those times in life especially in God where those moments open up and uh, they're, they're uh, uh, just set moments, opportunities. I believe, I believe all people get those. Uh, but when we are Christians and we have the Spirit of God living in us, we need to be aware of those openings and those times. And, and someone, you know, sometimes you say, oh, well, have another go next time, you know. In some applications, that works. You know, um, if your neighbour's dog's annoying you and you try and run over it and miss, well, there's always tomorrow, isn't there? You know, like you, you get another chance if that's how... <laughs> not that I would ever do anything like that, but you know you know how it is. And, uh, uh, yeah, you never scored a hole in one in golf. Well, who knows? You might get one tomorrow. You know, I don't know. But some of these God moments are unique, and and we you know we really need to open and take them when they when they're there. Uh, we we really do. Sometimes an opportunity's gone. Uh, you know, I believe you all. You know, we're all born at the right time. You know, I, I don't believe you should have been born earlier or later or on a different day or date or the rubbish some people go into. I think you're born exactly when God said. Uh, uh, Acts 7.20, this is part of Stephen's testimony when he was brought before the council for doing the gospel. <laughs> uh, it happens again today, let me tell you. Um, at this time, Moses was born, was well-pleasing to God, brought up in his father's house. And at this time, Moses was born. He went through the history of Israel. At this time, someone else was born. We know at the right time in history, Jesus was born. Not early, not late, at the right time. God's timing is right. And uh, I remember ministering to a young lady earlier in my uh, ministry career and um, uh, so upset at her birth date and uh, should have been born at a different time and... And I, you know, I understand the sentiment of that sometime. I mean, Steve, Steve would love to have been born and back in the 60s when I was and he had Hank, Hank Marvin and the Shadows and that, all that early guitars. He, he loves that stuff and so do I, but he's born in the right time. <laughs> so he can entertain us with that today. Yeah, that's, that's the deal, isn't it? But we are born at the right time. And, uh, and I believe there, there was, is, or will be a Kairos time for all of us to be saved. 
there's a, there's a moment in time, and you, I'm sure you will remember today when you got saved. I can still remember as a 17, 17 seven-year-old uh, kid, but I'll never forget that moment, and I just knew I belonged to him. I knew my sin was forgiven, and I was right with him. Praise God. There's a, there's a unique time there, and I'm, I can remember being in... And, and, you know, before I say what I was going to say, let me say to you this morning, I'm not, I'm not preaching doom and gloom to you this morning. If you've prayed for someone and they didn't get saved, well, they could, couldn't they? They still could. But, but I do believe there are unique moments in time where there, there's just opportunity, and I remember just praying for a young fella in uh, a youth camp down in Melbourne when I was probably in Melbourne. I would have been working. I would have been... But I started working very young before most people... long time before most people finished school, I was working. So uh, which I was still in the youth group, yeah. Um, uh, just usually meant that... When the band wanted a new instrument, I had to buy it because I was the only one working. So uh, that's about the only good thing about that. So, but um, there was an older call at this this camp, and there was just a real heavy, if I can put it, not not bad heavy, just a heavy anointing, just a rule that was a poignant moment, like in in time and. And the preacher was was uh, calling for for young men and women who wanted to get their lives right with God, who had been messing around and not living right before Him, and the the, the need to sort that out. And if you have never given your life to Christ, and I know this young man hadn't, had never actually done that. He'd been in church all his life, but he had never done that. I remember praying for him and. Uh, just praying and I, I could see him wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And uh, in the end he got up and walked out. And uh, there's probably a thousand young people there and he walked out. And I just broke my heart when he walked out. I just know there was a moment in time when God was drawing him, drawing him, drawing him. And he, he did the sums and said no. And uh, all his life from that point just was, yeah. He ended up, I went to his funeral a couple of years ago. He died with, from complications, mesophilioma in his, in his lungs from cutting asbestos pipes like I did. And, and I just thought how sad his life ended up like that. And I don't know that he ever put things right with God, I never ever saw any evidence of that and uh, it makes you sad but there's a time. But, you know, and, and I'm not, like, he could have done that after. I, I'm sure he never did but, but, you know, I'm not saying someone couldn't but I think for us, you know, we need to take the opportunities with people as we get them. You know, I, I remember speaking to a man and I was very young, uh, well, 18, I suppose. Well, I, I, yeah, when, I'm, when you're 63, 18's young. <laughs> so, and I remember when I was 18, I was very young in some ways. 
Um, I was very old and wise in others, but in, in spiritually I probably really wasn't where I should have been uh, or could have been, probably a better way of saying it. And I, I spoke to this man, I just had this little inkling there that I would have now known was a Holy Ghost thing and I would have probably more forcefully took it. Like one of the Greek um, explanations of the word kairos is that it's an opportunity that needs to be grabbed violently. And that's just one of the, the tones of the word. Like, it's not an opportunity. Oh, well, think about it for a couple of years and see what I think. Sometimes it's not like that. It's, it's going to go quicker than that if we don't get in and grab it. And so I, I talked to him a bit. I, I didn't go as far as I probably would have gone now. Um, and I just sort of, oh, I don't know and uh, got to work. It was a Friday I was talking to that man and got to work on Monday and uh, and someone said, yeah, it's bad about... I, I won't say his name, but um, I said, why? What's he done? I was only talking to him Friday and they said, yeah, he got killed on Sunday in an accident. And I just think, oh, mate, I just struggle with that for couple of years I just felt so condemned and whatever and I I don't know I don't know I just think we need to be right on and take the opportunities that we get when we get clear opportunities we need to take them amen need to be primed up and ready uh, we always need to be ready to give an account of what we believe like uh, uh, we really do and so I just feel to say that this morning so, um, and, uh, but you know, there's other times I know, uh, Kairos times, uh, in a, in a non-Christian way, if you like, but there, there are Kairos times when, I, uh, each of us are ripe for the devil to have an RHG at us, which is a red hot go, in case you didn't know. And, uh, uh, Luke 14, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 13, this is uh, Luke's account of Jesus' uh, temptation by the devil, 40 days out in the wilderness. And, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. You look that up in Greek, it's kairos. Until an opening comes, because he knew that if, the devil was, uh, if Jesus was here on earth as a human, there would be a time come when he was tempted to sin. And, and scripture tells us he was tempted in all points as we, we, you know, there was times he probably felt like giving Peter a backhander, but he didn't do it. He, he lived right. He didn't, he didn't let his, you know, um, he, he, he did not sin. He, he did it right, but he could have. And he didn't say, well, that's it, I won't. No, 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 no. And that's the same with all of us. There will be times when you're down on your guard, when you're tired, when you're just not, you've had a hard week or a hard day or a hard month or a hard year and something happens and you can react. There will just be times when he just is out there looking for you. And, uh, uh, you know, the, um, the word appears twice in Luke chapter 8, verse 13, in the one verse, which I couldn't find anywhere else in Scripture that happened. But it's Luke's explanation of the parable of the sower. And uh, 
in Luke eight thirteen, uh, Luke wrote, and this is and this is Jesus talking to his disciples, explaining the parable of the of the sower. But the ones on the rocky ground, you know, the story how the seed went on the wayside and then on the rocky ground and then amongst the thorns, etc., etc. But the ones on the rocky ground are those who, when they hear the, hear, receive the word with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while. The word there is gave us time again. There's a time, there's a God opening there when they, yeah, think I'll have that. But then the uh, 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 cares of the world, they have no root. And time of temptation, if I can find it, fall away. That time of temptation is a chaos time too. It was an opportune time. The enemies got in there and, oh, this is all too hard. I don't want to do it. And so we've got to be on our guard, don't we? We've really got to be on our guard. But, you know, I, I just believe today God's calling each of us. I, I, I think the challenge is, I don't think it's just for me that God's talking to. I think it's for all of us that... We just want to hear him afresh. Just want to hear him afresh. You know, it's good to do things afresh, isn't it, sometime? It just is. In your marriage, it's just good to do things afresh. Just, just needs a spring up, a a watering, a refreshing, whatever it may be, and whatever you need to do to make that happen. But I believe God's calling us to do that, that uh, we walk in, we live in the Spirit, and we seize, we take hold of all the chaos moments that God opens up for each of us. Praise God, because they're there. They're always, always there. Uh, Paul, in his uh, second letter to Timothy, and uh, so this letter is most possibly the oldest, um, oldest, the, the final of Paul's writings, we know. And um, in it he says to Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, etc., etc. But he didn't say, make sure that when you're in a good season, that you really preach and you go for it. And if it's a season when you're not, just, well, don't worry about that. And just when you get another season, he didn't say that, did he? He said, in season and out of season. Because life has seasons. You know, nature has seasons. May I say to you, if you look in the, the uh, book of Genesis and read what God said to Noah after he got off the ark and sacrificed to him, that as long as the world is, it's going to be summer, winter, daytime, night, fall, Spring, it's all going to happen. So when they tell me that uh, the science has proved there, I laugh. 
Amen. The God who formed the sea and said, that's it, that's it. That's as far as you come. Oh, no, he doesn't really know what he was doing and now the sea's coming up. Joking. If it is, why isn't it? Serious, like I'm just asking you the question. The convicts chiselled the sea level on a rock in Tasmania years ago when it had convicts. I don't think they've got them there anymore. But um, uh, and uh, it's funny that the the medium medium sea level, like the when you average the level out with the tides, is still on the same mark. Hundred years after it was done, it ain't coming up. I have a good friend whose brother got dismissed from the American Institute of Science because they did a science on the rising sea levels and found that they weren't rising. And they were given the opportunity to retract their report and um, uh, for President Obama, who said that wasn't acceptable, you must find that it's rising, that suits me politically. He refused to retract it, so he had to get another job. But um, there you go. Crazy stuff. But, uh, you know, we've got to be ready in season and out of season. There's no, there's no out seasons. You know, even if we're in a winter season in our lives, even if we're in a spiritual season of uh, uh, trial, and, you know, God's taken us through something. There's always something good going to come out of when God does that. Have patience, read James, amen. But even in that, we need to be ready to reach out when that chaos moment opens up and you just think, hey, this is a God thing. This is a God thing, you know. It is, and, and, and God directs us in those. If, we, if, we, if we're open to act and follow God, he directs us in those in an incredible way. And, uh, and, I'll, and I'll finish up now, but I, I just know, I think I told you years ago about a, a man I heard of who just had this little thing in his heart to go and talk to this man about the Lord. And... Uh, uh, and he thought, okay, well, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go and talk to him. And so he had he had his dinner and he went out and got in his good car and it wouldn't start. And he couldn't get it going. He thought, what is going on? It just would not start. He thought, what's going on here? And so he got the RACV and they came and it started. But by the time they got there, it was that late he wouldn't go that hour of the night, so they had a busy night. So he thought, oh, well, I'll go tomorrow night. And he went out the next night and his tyre was flat. And he thought, this is crazy. This, this must be the devil trying to stop me going to talk to this man. And sometimes it's not the devil. <laughs> it's God. Sometimes it's not the devil. I, I do feel for him and that he feels he gets blamed for everything and sometimes it's God. And then on the next night, nothing happened and he went and pulled up at this man's house and he went in to see him and the me said, hey, I'm glad to see you. He said, I, I, I come to talk to you. I want to talk to you about Jesus. I feel God has sent me to talk to you. He said, that's interesting. 
I've been looking at this stuff. He said, thank you, come in. And he said, you want a coffee? And he said, yeah, I won't knock one back. And ding, ding, the doorbell rang and the Jehovah's Witnesses were at the door. And he said, if you weren't here, I would have invited them in. Sometimes God steers us and delays us and we think it's the devil. It's not. He's just say, hey, hey, I'm glad you're obedient, but whoa, whoa, just hold on to the horses. <laughs> just hold on a minute, now's the right time. And you go. Places it at the right time, and you know, in the right place at the right time. In a Kairos moment, the man gave his life to Christ and was, you know, it was a great story. And... Um, but we need to be open to that, don't we? Because if we go and try and shoulder doors down, it, it doesn't work good. Who's found that out? Hey, it doesn't work good. <laughs> but in God's timing, amazing things can happen. And we all got the opportunity to live in that. So bow your heads. Bow your heads. And I'm, uh, I'll open the, the altar for prayer to anyone that needs that this morning for anything. If you want to come, we will. Uh, someone from the ministry team will pray with you, for you today, uh, if there is. But I, I just want to pray for you today. Who's willing to accept that challenge of just afresh, hearing the voice of God moving in that those opportune times that God opens up. Yeah, I see the hands. I, I'd trust all of you just would have your hands up today. Man, I, I think I'm doing that, but man, I put mine both up. I just, yeah. Just want to see God do amazing things. And, you know, it says in First Samuel when you read about the description of Samuel as a young man that he never let any of his words fall to the ground, it says. And if you get into that and look at it, what it means is he never wasted an opportunity that he had. Never wasted anything God said to him. Anything God said, any opportunity God, he took it. Wow. I want to be a young Samuel. Amen? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, I just sense you so strongly at this point. We want to say to you today, yes, refresh us today. May this be this morning one of those times of refreshing that come from the presence of God. Sometimes we just need his presence afresh just to wash us off and clean us up and just make us feel differently again. It's like that long dusty day when you've been out on the load or in the truck all day and you come home and you, you stink and you're covered with dust and dirt and grease and you, and you have a nice shower and you come out and you just feel clean and you smell good think, wow, you feel different altogether. Sometimes we need a Holy Ghost shower like that. Oh, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Just reach out to him today. Just hold your hand out and say, Holy Spirit, just touch me afresh today. Touch me in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just got to get to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. Remember when I started going out with Pam? Man, I, I fell head over heels with that little girl. Couldn't stop thinking about her. Be trying to sow oats one year, Jenny, and I was going crooked in the paddock. I was thinking about Pam. Straight. The boss, I wonder what's going on here, but yeah. Try and keep straight. Distracted me, she did. And I was thinking if she rang me on the phone tonight, would I know her voice? And I didn't know that I would. I thought, man, I can't remember quite what she sounded like. But it wasn't long before I knew her voice from anyone. You know, we need to, we need to know, we need to hear his voice. The way he speaks to us. I'd, I'd, I'd love to give you a, a dollar for every time I've just had that little hole 